This is Michael from Swanky Turtle Games. This is Chris from Swanky Turtle Games, and this, this is uh, Legends of Tabletop. Hey everybody! Welcome, guys. How's it going? Doing awesome. Very good. That's cool. That's cool. You guys have a, a Kickstarter going right now for RB8 baseball, so I'm glad to to get you on and talk about that a little bit. But uh, I guess we met what uh, over at MaricopaCon earlier this year. Yes, we did. Yeah, MaricopaCon was a lot of fun. We got you taught us some games while we were there, so we had a good time. Yeah, you guys gave me some good suggestions. I wanted to pick in the uh, Jaipur and the Seven Wonders Duel, which have been the pretty big favorites here at the house now. Yeah, you showed us Shogun, and I got the uh, big box deluxe edition after uh, after we left there. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, we played Samurai too, I think, right? Yeah, we did. I love Samurai. Yeah, that, I still haven't got it yet, but that's on my list. I got to try <laughs> and pick it up soon because that one is stuck in my brain since the time we played it. I just like the simplicity of it. But the depth of strategy was awesome. I love that game. So you guys murdered me, so I kind of forgot about that game. <laughs> <laughs> it was He's revenge for Shogun. He beat us yeah. in Shogun, so we had to get him that's back. Why, in that's, that's why I bought Shogun. <laughs> I, I won. <laughs> yeah, Samurai's a lot of fun. Through the Desert's a lot of fun, too. Um, similar, but not the same. Um, but, you know, another Kinesia game, which is, is really... You know, he's like my go-to anymore. I, did you guys see, um, what is it, Blue Lagoon that came out at uh, Gen Con, I guess, this year? Yeah. yeah that's, um, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I'm just saying, yeah, that, that game looks like it's uh, up Chris's alley, so I'll let him talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the number one on my, my wish list of the new games that came out. Because one, I love Kinesia, and two, the artwork in it just looks amazing. Like, I feel like it's going to be a perfect game. I can get my wife and like non-gamers to play with me because it don't it doesn't look like it's too complex from the reviews and stuff I watch, but it seems like it has that classic like Kinesia like depth to it. That so I definitely I got to pick it up. We're going out to uh, BGG Con in Dallas uh, in like two weeks, and so that's you know the top of my list of ones I might I might grab on there. We'll see. Yeah, I've been I've been looking them. I, I still have to look at a couple of reviews. I want to watch a playthrough and see like yeah. I, you know, I picked up Tigris and Euphrates and, you know, I figured like, oh, you know, it's part of that tiling trilogy, so to speak. And oh, I'm sure I'm going to love it. And then we played it. And I'm like, eh, it's, yeah. it's okay. It's it's not as good as Through the Desert or Samurai. I didn't think. Mm -hmm. Well, he just, they just came out with another game that's like a sequel to Tigris and Euphrates or like say like a spiritual successor, like Yellow and Yahtzee or something like that. Um but I hear it's very, very similar. So I haven't played either Tigers or Euphrates or that one, but you probably, if Tigers or Euphrates didn't do it for you, that's probably not the one. But I know that's his, that's actually the one that's like getting even more hype than Blue Lagoon this year from what I've heard. So. Yeah, I, th I saw a couple of pictures of it. It looked like they even used the same uh, like leader markers and stuff. And I was like, well, that's really weird. Like I have this game home already. Yeah, I heard it's just like a slight tweak to like the combat is, is what was done in this one. But I don't know specifically, but... 
I, I would like to give it a try just because I'm a big Kinesia fan as you are, but I don't it that one hasn't jumped off the page for me either to like, oh I gotta go get Tigers and Euphrates, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I would play the new one if someone had it. I d I don't know yeah. that I would <laughs> seek it out to like go and buy it, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, how did you guys meet? How, how did you guys come together? Well, uh, Chris, uh, we met, uh, and I invited him over to my house, and we what do we play, Chris? We played Catan, I believe. <laughs> yeah, the very first time uh, we met, uh, Mike invited me and my wife over to his house for dinner, and after dinner, they pulled out Catan. And in that moment, I knew that me and Mike were destined <laughs> to be best friends. I was like, "This is meant to be," because. I, I was fairly new to Arizona. I'm originally from Baltimore. Um, and so at the time, I didn't really have any gamer friends at all in Phoenix. So when I realized that he was into games, I was like, okay, I got to I gotta make sure this guy likes me enough to invite me over to play his game collection. Um, and, and at that point, his game collection wasn't anywhere near as, as impressive as it is now. His game collection has grown a lot since we got together. But um, that was kind of it. We just gaming has been like at the core of our friendship from the start so uh we got off to the right foot i guess yeah i was newly moved from C- back from seattle too so my gaming scene wasn't happening in arizona at the time either so <laughs> um i was big into hero clicks for a while and uh mm-hmm. so i showed it to chris and when he showed interest in it i knew he had to be my friend so <laughs> so we, yeah, played, we played a lot of hero clicks for a while yeah we were really into that for a little bit but it was too yeah. addictive to me, so I had to get rid of it. I spent too much money on it. So that's the thing. Any of those miniatures games, man, they'll just they'll kill you. It's like, oh, you got to get this expansion and that thing, and like, oh, I, I yeah, can't they, do it. I don't want to do it. They shove it down your throat every like two weeks. It feels like a new set's coming out. And I couldn't like handle it anymore. So my wife was like, "This stuff's everywhere. You got to get rid of it." So yeah, so I got rid of most of it. That's what they're doing with Star Wars now, right? You have uh, all the Star Wars miniature stuff, and it seems like, yeah, like you say, like every week, oh, here's the Bounty Hunters pack. Here's the Rebel whatever pack. Yeah, yeah. I had to get out, I had to get out of collecting games, collectible games. So now I just have collect a million board games. Yeah. <laughs> it's different. I mean, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, my family appreciates it more now that – because the miniature stuff, they really, my wife didn't play and stuff. So now I got these board games and she, she enjoys playing those. So it's, it's been a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> that, do your guys' spouses, do they play? Like, are they in for like any sort of game or the, are they in for lighter games, heavier games? Does it, does it matter? Um, well, from you, go, you can go first, Mike. Go ahead. I've been talking. Okay. <laughs> um, well, for me, I know my wife is mainly into, the lighter side of games uh her thing she'll she'll actually play really in-depth games her thing is the length of play so she doesn't she doesn't want to play anything that's like over an hour if it's more than an hour then she's tapped out but she'll play a really in-depth game as long as it's just done in that 60 minute period so that's kind of my my barometer with her is you know as long as the length is her sweet spot would be like that 30 to 45 minutes then she'll play pretty much anything but um her attention span doesn't make it much past that normally (laughs) yeah my wife will play anything pretty much but the problem is uh she'll turn a 35 minute game into a three hour game (laughs) because her and her her, one of her friends or something will start talking and you know you know how it is so it's just like a bunch of talking more than playing Uh, so so we exclude her from guys game night on wednesday (laughs) They sit well, in the you, kitchen while we play in our in the game room. There you go. 
So yeah, it's we my girls get together. Space. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm like your wife, Chris. I like an hour is good. You know, a half hour yeah. is probably really like Splendor. We play Spl- so much Splendor, but it's great because you can do it in like 20 minutes and then you can play it, you know, twice or you can play that and then pull out something else and play that for a half an hour. Like, like for me, cause I play a lot of RPGs. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to invest like, you know, Twilight Imperium, if I'm going to be, you know, six, eight hours, you know, I would rather role play. Like it's just, it's for me, it's a no brainer, but like it, it scratches a different itch, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at my personal game collection at home, it is mostly the those games that fit in that niche because that's what I – when I'm not playing games with Mike, I'm normally playing games with my wife or my family. And so they play – that's like the sweet spot is those 30, 40-minute games. And those are – if you look at my favorite games list, it's mostly made up of all those games because I just love – I love when you can – a designer is able to pack a lot of game in a short period of time. That's like – I'm sold when I see that. Um, but I get my fix on the longer games on, we have a Wednesday night game night. So whenever I want to play a longer game, I just save it for Wednesday night. And normally that's when we, we play like on Wednesday nights, we'll play like a two hour, three hour game. And then that's my once a, a week fix for that. But outside of that, I'm normally playing the the shorter stuff. Like I even, I got this crazy little game called Kobiakawa and you literally can play it in like 10 minutes. It's just like a quick little betting game. And that's become like one of my most played games just because you can play like multiple rounds in a night, like so easy. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So I, same thing for me. Like I, I play at home. My brother comes over on Wednesday nights, ironically enough. Uh, <laughs> and he comes over for dinner. We play games, you know, my daughter and boyfriend will all play games together or, you know, we play a lot at work and, you know, because of all the nonsense at work, that we used to do an hour, which was kind of our cutoff. So like, that's, you know, sort of my barometer when I go to the store is like, okay, well, that takes four hours to play. I'm not going to buy that. Like I'm I'm not going to play unless I take it to a con. That was, was great with, um, with Shogun. I take it to the cons and I run it there because it's the only time I get to play it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's nice to have that excuse to get it played. Yeah. I like a good three hour game. That's that's kind of my, uh, (laughs) my barometer. So. Yeah, the the longer and more complex, the better for Mike. That's like we're like the yin and yang of of normal choices. Like we both enjoy them all, obviously, but he would definitely go towards the the epic game experience for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that was your experience, uh, Mike, at uh, at Maricopa Con, I guess it was with the the Star Trek game you were trying out. <laughs> yeah, I got to play uh, Star Trek Ascendancy um, that I want to play for a long time. I was there when it got released at Gen Con and. There was a big hype for it and I never got to play while I was there. And so someone was teaching it so at uh, Maricopa Con, so I got, got to play it. So that was awesome. Um, it was a couple hours, right? Yeah, I think we played for at least three. So yeah, it was, it was a good day. But <laughs> yeah, so I ended up uh, buying that one too. <laughs> so we did have a uh, Star Trek Ascendancy Day here, but we had to do it on a Saturday because we knew it was going to take us like three or four hours to play it. So we're like, we're doing it on a Saturday afternoon. So yeah, there you go. Cause Chris taps out too early on Wednesday night. So <laughs> yeah, I have an early bedtime. I can't make it. Uh, I can't make it that late. So we had, he had to make special arrangements to get me to play it. But it, it, I will say if you get the chance to play it and you like Star Trek at all, it's a really, it is a cool game. It's one that it's a little hard to get to the table because of how, how long it is and especially if you're playing with new players it'd be a little tricky to get new players in and teach them but 
Yeah, I'm really glad I got to play it. It's a lot of fun. Actually, I want to play it again because I was like, I dominated the first half of the game and then I completely fell apart in the second half and lost. <laughs> I was like eliminated. It's very hard to get eliminated from that game. And I got eliminated from the game because of some bad mistakes. So I, I want to redeem myself in that. So we have to plan a day here eventually to get my redemption for the Romulans. <laughs> It sounds suspicious. I think I think it got up to like two and a half hours, and he was like, "Yeah, hey, you know what? Fuck this guy. You 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 guys win. I gotta go home. Like I'm I yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I was I was thinking that might be the uh, the Romulan way. There, he was just kind of conning us there. So. <laughs> All right. So so did did Swanky Turtle then come out of your guys's you know mutual love for board games? Then yeah, um, I. I, right around the first few times I met Chris again after having him over again, uh, I, I knew he was a sports guy too. So I showed him my baseball game idea that I had in my head, and then I just started working it out. And um, so that's kind of where RB8 got his starts. And uh, then we started play testing it, and um, so that was kind of like the first game that we kind of like played together as far as like designing. So yeah, I mean I. Um... My entire life, I I designed games for like fun. Like me and my sister would just make up our own games out of you know a basic deck of cards, and we would just invent our own games or whatever. So I'd always had this like interest uh, in game design. But it wasn't until uh, you know I started hanging out with Mike and, and had a friend who was really into board games that my mind started to expand more into like real game design. And so uh, we started working on RB8 and uh, refining that and. Um, he had already kind of had the the core of the game, and then I just kind of helped with you know polishing it up and and getting it to the state it's at now. Um, and then from that we began springing on all these other game ideas that uh, we're really excited about. And so it kind of just it started there with RB8, and then our brains expanded into even more areas after that. Cool. All right. Yeah. Be honest. You brought out RB8. What was your first thought? <laughs> Um, my first thought was I'd never played a baseball game in my life. And I was, I was actually, I was like, you know, I don't know how, is this going to take three hours? Like a real baseball game was my initial thought. And I was like, I don't know about this. But when I played it, the thing that really impressed me was that it was a dice and card game. But after we were done playing, it played out like a real baseball game. And that's what I thought was really cool was that, um, it really simulated baseball. And I thought that was a really unique thing that we could build on to um, kind of fill something that I didn't think was really in the market, unless you went to like the really hardcore, you know, stratomatic baseball that, that really hardcore baseball nerds will get into all the, the numbers and spreadsheets and charts. And this was a much more like streamlined version of that. So I, I was really impressed that and initially I was, I don't know, I was maybe a little apprehensive, but after playing it the first time I knew there was something about it that was different. It's it's very much an emulator for sure. When, you know, when, when Mike was like, Oh, I got this game. You want to check it out? And I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, we started going through it. I'm like, wow, this is like really kind of like playing a baseball game. Like you, you really do get that feel of, you know, and there's luck element obviously with roll yeah. dice and, you know, how you set your lineup and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, very much, very much an emulator. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say, say going back to my uh, HeroClix roots I was talking about earlier is kind of where the I, the idea of the baseball cards, each uh, card having its own special ability type of a thing kind of influenced me from my HeroClix playing days. 
So it's kind of like I want to get a, uh, I don't know, mash baseball with hero clicks to some extent. Yeah, I think especially now in um, when people see, because initially we didn't have the 8-bit art style. Initially we were using uh, real players because um, we weren't worried about licensing issues or anything. We were just were testing yeah. ourselves. And so it, it it had that real feel. But now when people see it with 8-bit art, I think maybe the first impression people have is going to be like this arcadey take on baseball. And that's the number one thing we get when we play test it with people is they're like, oh, wow, this feels like real baseball. This doesn't necessarily feel like 8-bit, you know, arcadey baseball. Um, so I think it's kind of a neat twist that, you know, you're playing this 8-bit look, but it really does play out like you're watching a baseball game, you know. Yeah. At, at, at what point did you guys sort of make that transition? I mean, was there ever a thought? I mean, I imagine licensing for Major League Baseball is like ridiculous, but you know, w- what was the point where like, all right, we need to like actually, you know, come up with a, a concept for this? Like, we're not going to be able to do, you know, MLB. You know, what what was sort of the drive towards the eight bit stuff? I mean, I know it's super popular, especially like you know, guys our age. We grew up, you know, <laughs> Nintendo and all that kind of stuff. We pulled that out of the box. I'm like, oh, it's so cool! It looks like you know the old Nintendo game. Yeah, I um, I kind of put it on the shelf for a while just because I was got it got hung up on not being able to get a license or whatever. Um, so, but uh, um, I knew I had to like do something with it because I thought it was a great game, but I just needed to change the theme somehow. And I thought about creating like a whole new world with like sci-fi or something, baseball and space, or I don't know what. But, <laughs> it, but then uh, I played a Techno Bowl. Um, it was a, uh, a spin-off spoof of the old uh, NES Techno football, Techno football. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and uh, Brent Spivey, the creator of that game, did that in a board game version. And so I'm like, well, why don't I do that with my baseball game? Because I love 8-bit baseball and tech mobile and all that. So I'm like, that's a great idea to do that with my baseball game. So that's kind of where I got the idea from. Cool. I, I remember I used to have the uh, the NES football, and I had a notebook full of, like stats and stuff. <laughs> I would play like seasons out, and yeah, it was so much fun. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's a ongoing game that's been in my head since I was like ten years old. So I when I was ten years old I used to roll dice and bait with my baseball cards and make up my own game. So it's kind of evolved in my head for the last thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long did you actually spend like then, you know, getting it to the table? How long did it kind of take you to sort of put things together? Um, I'm kind of a quick person so when i get an idea i kind of i want to get it going right away so i started printing stuff out um we used uh the game crafter which was a cool source to be able to print some stuff out quick so mm-hmm. uh, so i i have uh, so i don't I, I like playing with stuff that looks good so i got some nice little prototypes just for our own selves to use so um so once i got it down uh you know it didn't take me long to to at least get something to look good and that we can start playing with. Yeah, I would say we've had uh, prototypes for this game on the table for, I mean, probably like two and a half years. Uh, we've maybe even a little longer than that. Uh, we've had some form of prototype, maybe going back three years. Um, we made the switch to 8 bit art probably about a year ago. So up until about a year ago, our prototypes were still using, you know, the real players that we just put on the cards and then we, we made the switch maybe a year ago, but we've 
had the game on the table for a while in some form. And slowly over that time, we've added different things to it. And uh, like Mike mentioned, what took us so long for us to actually be ready to launch it was just we kind of were in a holding pattern on the theme because we did look into getting the MLB license. And when we hit kind of a brick wall with that, we just were like, oh, what are we going to do? Um, and then we kind of brought it back to life when we came up with the, the 8-bit theme. But, yeah, it's definitely been a long time coming for this game. Cool. Uh, now, did you guys do the art yourselves? Did you bring someone in to do the art? Um, I started doing the artwork myself in the beginning. Um, also, I had my daughter do some of it, too. Oh, cool. And um, But then uh, there was just, like, a bunch of things I needed to get done. So I'm like, well, I just found me an 8-bit artist. Um, so uh, I had a guy over in uh, London, actually. Who uh, oh. actually knows nothing about baseball? <laughs> so, but uh, he, he was uh, an inspiring eight-bit artist, so uh, so we hooked up, and uh, I had to explain uh, certain things in baseball to him, and uh, he he studied up on it. So uh, now he's got an interest in baseball. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, and and our box cover is something I was really proud of. I think we have some really cool box cover art. Um, and I don't remember, Mike, where did you find that artist from? Cause that was a different artist, but I, I can't remember where you found him from. Uh, June Bayek, uh, was our artist for the art, for the box cover. Um, I believe I found him on BBG. Uh, he had posted, uh, in someone forum or something about, uh, wanting to do uh, box cover art. And I looked up his stuff on, um, his Instagram account or whatever, and saw that he has some pretty good stuff and can do the cartoony look that I was looking for, for the old, uh, NES cover boxes of baseball stars kind of inspired the uh the our cover art there cool very cool all right well we're kind of dancing around a little bit why don't you tell us about the game specifically how do you how do you play what's involved what are, what are we looking at um well it features 16 teams um with 270 some players uh well Close to that, anyways. About 250 players, probably. And then there's a rally card deck, what we call. Um, so with the, with the 16 teams, you can uh, right out of the box just use them. But uh, the the way I designed it mostly to be played is using a draft system. So every card has a point value depending on uh, um, how good the player is, whatever the ratings are, and the powers, abilities they have. Um, so yeah, so you can draft a team, build a team play a series however you want to do it type of a thing but um and then uh it's um pitcher versus batter on stats and um there's different uh elements of the game as far as the rally card deck i mentioned where random things can happen you can play a card and a streaker runs across the field or you know this crazy stuff that happened in a baseball game so um, it has all the look and feel of a real baseball game. It has um, the, the key charts that you go to when you roll dice. And um, Chris, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I would say the heart of the game is you're, you're going to look at your uh, pitcher's ratings, uh, which is control and stuff. Uh, they have individual ratings for each one, and you look at your hitter ratings, and then you compare them. So, for example, the pitcher might have a total rating of 15, and then the batter has a total rating of 14. You're then going to roll 2d6 to see who has the better rating. So in that case, the pitcher has a plus one to whatever his dice roll is. Um, so if that total equals more, whoever has more, then we'll get to roll another die to see if they control that bat. And then they roll another one to uh, decide what actually happens in the at-bat. So obviously, if the batter has a control of the at-bat, he's going to have a much better chance of something good happening for him. And then if the pitcher does something better for the pitcher, is much more likely 
Um, and then you can make every decision that you can make in a real baseball game. So you can choose to steal a base. You can choose to uh, tag up and, you know, try to get an extra base uh, on a fly out. Uh, there's any number of things. And like Mike mentioned, we have the rally cards, which simulate a lot of real life baseball scenarios. Um, so it really like if you're looking for something that really feels like real baseball, then I think it's something, you know, you'll like to play. Yeah. So when you, you the, the control the control dice are cool because it's, you know, one's a pitcher's die, one's a batter's die, and it's got the mm -hmm. different, you know, custom uh, icons on them and stuff. Like you said, if the, if the pitcher gets control, you know, you roll your dice and you compare your result to a key. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you're the pitcher, you're, you know, you roll on the, on the pitching key. Uh, and if you control it, then obviously, like you said, your, your chances of getting something good are, are much better than if, you know, if the batter has control then the batter, the batter is going to roll. And then, you know, it's typically better for the, the, the active player, I guess. Right. But, you know, even if you do have control, there's always those few chances that something bad could happen. And um, that really simulates real baseball. Like sometimes you're a pitcher and you throw the perfect pitch, but it still doesn't work out. And so it really captures that kind of unpredictability of real baseball. But we try to really balance it with still – not making it just a completely luck-driven game. There's still a lot of skill in how you uh, make the different decisions and how you set up your lineup and uh, making that right choice to play that card at just the right time. But um, it definitely has kind of that you never know what can happen just like a real baseball game does. All right. And, and, the, uh, and the pitchers do fatigue over the course of the game too, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, we simulate uh, the fatigue factor um, as it goes into the sixth inning. The ratings start to drop. And um, they also could drop if by poor performance. So um, if they give up too many runs, every run after a cert, after five, their ratings start dropping. So um, we, we simulate all those kind of real factors and uh, to the game as best as possible. Right. Did you start the game with how many pitchers at your disposal? Is it all your whole team is, is available? Um. Once you start off with a starting pitcher, and then um, you have uh, your relief pitchers that you can go to if it's needed. So okay. uh, there should be um, three starting pitchers and uh, three uh, uh, middle, well, two middle relievers probably closer um, for each team set. But when you do a draft, you can draft however many you, you want or can, you know, afford to build in your team. So that becomes custom to you, but yeah. Okay, cool. And, and is there any worry? Like, I guess you can get away with it as a spoof. So like you have the Philly cheese steaks <laughs> and the, and the, what is the Arizona tortoises? I think it was right. Uh, Sonoran desert tortoises. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is, is there any like, you know, risk with something like that where you're kind of playing on, you know, actual players, names and teams and things like that? Or does that kind of fall under like a parody sort of thing? Well, we hope not. So you better not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously there's some of our players that you can tell pretty clearly who they were inspired by. And I mean, uh, this isn't, I guess, spoiling anything, but pretty much every single player in the game was inspired by a real life player. And I think that's part of the fun for, for like hardcore baseball fans with playing the game is trying to figure out who this player was inspired by because all of the names, uh, Mike came up with 99.9% .9 of the names and they're all like really interesting spoofs. You have to really think outside the box, but like 
one example that a lot of people like is uh, Peter Thorne uh, for Pete Rose. And so, you know, there's different things like that, but I think we are pretty safely fall within parody range. Cause I don't think we ever come too close. And also our artwork uh, doesn't look specifically like anybody. They're straight up, you know, eight bit characters. So yeah. I think we're pretty safe, but if they want to, you know, sue us over our, our little bit of change we're making off the game, then we'll, we'll see how that works out, you know? <laughs> and I thought it was, it was cool too, that you guys have, you know, female players in as well. So you have like Jenny Mays, you know, for, for Willie Mays and that kind of stuff. So like, I, I thought it was cool. Cause I don't know, you know, in the world that we live in, you're like, Oh, there's no girl baseball. <laughs> like, you know, you always have to wonder about like that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. I've always uh, was a big fan of the movie, a league of their own. So one of the teams is kind of a spoof on uh, on that team, so it's uh, Rockville Cherries. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that is a, a complete girls team that we're we have on there. So yeah, so some of them are actually spoofs from that movie, and then uh, just spoof on the other player names, and you know, even got my wife in there, and uh, so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. yeah. My favorite, my favorite female player is uh, Ruth Babe. I like that yeah. one. <laughs> That's cool. I'm sure somewhere, somewhere, someone is probably groaning some sigh yeah. of, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the ghost of Babe Ruth wants to sue us because we use Ruth Babe as a girl. Then, so be it, so, you know. <laughs> now, this is the first Kickstarter for you guys. How, how did you find the process? You know, was it what you expected? More than what you expected? Um, yeah, Kickstarter is a, a different animal. Um, and we're kind of experiencing it with a sports driven theme is a little more tougher niche, I believe. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're big Kickstarter backers ourselves. So we're already, you know, familiar with Kickstarter and, um, we have friends that have kickstarted games and, and, uh, so we've, we've gotten a lot of, you know, experience as far as like, you know, people, you know, telling us what to expect and so forth. But, um, you know, I think with a sports theme, um, it's been a little more difficult. A lot of uh, Kickstarters, maybe are play games, aren't big sports fans. And then you got the sports fans that would like the game, but they're not familiar with Kickstarter. So it's kind of uh, been a little tough in the beginning or in the middle here, I should say, due to that reasoning. Yeah, it's kind of a niche of a niche, right? Like you've yeah. got to have board gamers who are sports fans. And, you know, again, you sort of have that divide where, you know, I love board games and I don't know what your sports ball is kind of thing. And, right. you know, you've got that sort of, you know, kind of back and forth between like, I'm, I'm a sports fan myself as well as a, you know, board game or RPG or, but like, I don't know that that's as common as you'd think. No, we're a rare breed, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, we. It's definitely, uh, you know, we knew going in that we kind of had that uh, playing against us was that, you know, it is a, a very niche market. You know, the the nerds who are into the games that we play a lot of times aren't sports fans, and um, then the sports fans a lot of times aren't into the board games. So we knew going in uh, that that was going to be kind of a uphill uh, battle, uh, but we definitely we've learned a lot from the experience, and I have to say. I was actually, I've actually been pleasantly surprised. Like you hear a lot of horror stories about how, um, you know, sometimes your backers can be crazy and come at you with all these crazy demands and complaints and all this stuff. And we've had a really great uh, group of backers who have been really cool and 
are really excited about the game. And so that's been really encouraging a lot of uh, good feedback so far. So we definitely are going to take a lot of stuff that we've learned and mistakes we've made with this campaign into our next one and, and do it even better and bigger. Um, but for our first campaign, I have to say, I mean, overall, I've, I've been happy with how it goes. Even uh, Mike can talk more to this, but even like building out our, our Kickstarter page, uh, Mike handles all the graphic design and stuff for us, whether it's at the game or on the Kickstarter page. But their Kickstarter page to, to actually like design your page is not the most user friendly thing in the world. Like mm. it was a, a big learning experience to even design the layout of the page that took us. I would say, I mean, Mike can again talk more of this, but it at least took twice as long as I initially expected it to take us um, just because it wasn't a very user friendly thing. I mean, it was like it was almost like designed for like a 90s website of how like you would go in and lay it out like it was not like very user friendly um so i give a lot of credit to mike because i think our page for our very first kickstarter i think it looks really nice and professional um so mike did a great job of overcoming that but i i just can imagine how much nicer and better our page in the future will look once now that we have that experience and um so there's a lot of things obviously we've made a lot of mistakes and we had to overcome a lot of stuff that you know will serve us well in the future <laughs> Yeah. You want to talk to any of that stuff, Mike, or no? Yeah. Um, yeah, what Chris was saying is true. Yeah, Kickstarter is like, yeah, this whole setup of it was uh, not as easy as I expected as far as like just page layout. But I mean, it's not, wasn't horrible, but yeah, it took me longer than I anticipated it to. So next time I'll know to start more ahead <laughs> <laughs> on uh, yeah. getting that page ready because I was like cramming like the last few days, like trying to get it all finished up but, but yeah it's a uh, it's it's a different animal but uh but now i've got you know i set my own templates up now for it and stuff like that so i've got a better idea of how it all works now cool cool uh, um do you feel like there's any trepidation from backers you know coming you know as a first-time designer with you know a bigger box game you know it's not uh you know it's not a card game it's not a you know just like a straight dice game or something simple it's a little bit more you know more moving parts you, you've feel like people maybe are, are are hesitant to to jump in on a new designer i'm sure that has a a factor in a lot of people's minds being a new a new time uh designer one just not having that uh initial support from a prior project so where everything is all starting from scratch besides what we've you know been leading up to on social media and so forth beforehand so i'm sure that has a you know a big factor into it but uh you know, I feel like all the backers that we've had at so far don't seem like, you know, you know, we're, we're pretty upfront about what we're doing and, uh, you know, we're active and we've been active on social media. And so, you know, we're not uh, operating over in Iraq or anything like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think that has definitely um, been a bit of a factor, especially because we can look at the numbers like uh, Kickstarter of how many people have clicked to like follow the project and who haven't backed. And we have a large number of people who are, I mean, like a lot of people who have just clicked to follow the project. And I think maybe a reason we're not converting on as many of those at this point is because of some of that, you know, trepidation about a first time, you know, project of, of this size. And so I think a lot of those people are kind of giving it a wait and see approach to see how the campaign plays out and see how we are and how we interact with everyone uh, before kind of giving us their trust by pledging. And so, um, it definitely is a factor, um, and hopefully, you know, we can win some of those people over to to jump on the bandwagon here and 
um, you know, support this project and then hopefully they continue to support us on our future projects as well. Oh. Yeah. October was a, a crazy month of Kickstarters too. So there's a ton of competition out there this month. So that I'm sure that didn't help us. So, but yeah, yeah we were, we were warned of that like the couple of weeks before, but I was like, Oh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> yeah. Well, always you're committed <laughs> at that point. Yeah. yeah. Our, our production uh, company, um, lays on that we have here in the states what we're, produ we're producing over in china you know he, he warned me he's like i gotta warn you uh there's a lot of competition this month that <laughs> yeah but there was tons of projects that went on the same day we did and so yeah that that kind of maybe uh put us down further on the kickstarter pages to just the fact that there are, are so many of them going on right now so yeah uh, uh, lots of different factors well, like Chris was saying too, you know, you hear the horror stories about, you know, backers demanding this and that. And, you know, you're saying they have a, a huge follow list. I know there's a lot of people, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, spoken to people like, yeah, I'd, you know, wait until the last, you know, and not just a remind feature, but like, I want to see what the stretch goals are. Like, mm -hmm. I know I'm getting it below MSRP and I know, you know, I'm getting a game that I want to play theoretically, but like, what else am I going to get? You know, and I, I don't know. I've never understood that. Like, if you, are interested in a project you want to support a project uh you know it looks interesting it's you know it fits a theme or whatever that you enjoy you get in the back like if it just funded flat out and you didn't get any bells and whistles like cool i still got a game that i can play that i'm theoretically going to enjoy like the other stuff is cool but i you know people become you know habituated to these huge kickstarters and like all these stretch goals and you know i'm gonna get all this extra stuff and you know I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of it's it's kind of like a catch twenty two also because you know you have a lot of people who they say oh well I want to see what all stretch goals I'm going to wait to the end to see what stretch goals are attained or if the project's going to fulfill some people don't want to pledge to a project that's not going to make it but if everybody does that then the project won't make yeah. it and so it's like so it's kind of like you're you're it's a self fulfilling prophecy if you're like oh I want to see if it's going to make it well it's not going to make it if everybody thinks that way and mm -hmm. so. Um, like in our research, we find that you get the majority of your backers in like the first two days of the project and then in the last two days of the project. So yeah. the middle of the project is like a tough road to kind of keep some momentum going. Um, so the goal really is to be within like striking distance of your, your goal in those last two days. But it that's a challenge. You got to make sure that you can keep that momentum up through the middle so that way you can get that late rush that's going to put you – you know, hitting all those stretch goals and, and getting exciting. So I wish more backers thought like you though, and just was like, Hey, let's just, <laughs> let's jump on the bandwagon early and get that momentum going. But unfortunately it seems like you get your, your loyal people that you know and made personal connections with, they all jump on initially. And then everybody else is kind of in that like holding pattern to see how it plays out. Yeah. yeah and it, the thing about Kickstarter is it doesn't cost anything to initially pledge either. So, I mean, Hey, if you don't like it, how it goes, pull out of the, towards the end but yeah it's just kind of frustrating but that's just the nature of the beast i guess yeah and it, and it doesn't cost you anything i mean you know if, if you want to get in and you're like well let's see i don't know if i want to you know if it's going to make it or whatever you know you throw your your money in and if it doesn't fun you're not sure like you're not out anything right you know like right. I, don't, I don't know if some people maybe don't understand that yeah, like, I, oh, think, I don't want to get charged and then i'm not going to get it you know right yeah, I, I think it's just a lack of knowing how kickstarter works for a lot of people too Especially, I think, with maybe a lot of the interest that we're attracting to our campaign are 
people that aren't as experienced with Kickstarter or haven't really used Kickstarter before. So I think that maybe that's the, uh, you know, keeping them back from hopping on. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be, it could be, um, is this the kind of game, you know, you could see expansions with, uh, down the road or is this like complete set? You've got your, you know, your 16 teams and you, you know, you have everything to play with. No, I already have, uh, the other two teams already in my head worked out. So <laughs> two more for sure that I know that I want to do, um, nice. on top of, uh, Chris is right now working on getting the, uh, solo mode done. Mm-hmm. So, um, which, uh, we, we are actually including that in the Kickstarter as far as, um, uh, a free PNP download for those who kickstart, um, would be able to get the, uh, PNP files of, of the, uh, solo variant. Um, but it's not completely ready yet, obviously. So we could include it, you know, it hold back manufacturing of the base game, sure, but, sure. uh, by, by the time they got the base game, the PMPs would be ready for them. So the game would be technically a solo game as well when they, uh, when they would receive it. But, um, but yeah, we definitely have a lot to do. I have different ideas, different expansions uh, plan for the game, so it's not a one and done base game. Okay, cool. Um, you, you guys have mentioned you're active on social media and you know going through all that that kind of stuff. What what's your take on social media and how it relates to you know our board gaming community and Kickstarter and like you know how are you guys navigating all of that? Um, I like Instagram probably the best. It's, I don't know, more easier for me to use, I guess. Um, I don't tweet really. So I'm not <laughs> a big fan. I'm not a big fan of Twitter. Um, Facebook is fine, but uh, I, I find people more uh, conversational on Facebook than Instagram. Um, Instagram is more just look at pictures, like, and go. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, I, I've met a lot of good, uh, really nice people within the board gaming community because, as you know, the uh, the board gaming community is a great thing. Um, it's um, such so many great people that uh, play board games that bring people together, and er- everyone's willing to help and share. Even like from designer standpoints and Kickstarters and so forth, everybody yeah, we've talked to has been a big help to us and helping us information. So, but yeah, through social media, it's been nice meeting, engaging, and uh, new people and seeing what game people games people are playing. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, at this point of our society, like if you want to have something like a, a board game company, social media has to be a huge part of it. You have to be out there because there's just so much there's so much noise, especially in the board game industry. It seems like there's a zillion games getting released all the time. And so it's important to try and get that, you know, mind share of people uh, who you're just putting your game out in front Um but at least with our social media, Mike uh, heads up doing the all of our Instagram posts and all of that. And uh, we really focus on not just pushing our game. Um, obviously, right now during the Kickstarter campaign, pretty much all of our posts are about the Kickstarter um, <laughs> actually. If you look at our feed, we generally are really just posting about the other games we're playing and talking about games that we love. So we're not just about self-promoting ourselves, but we're just about promoting the hobby. And I think that's really benefited us a lot and gotten us a lot of followers in that you know, people, people don't want to just be sold to all the time. You know, they want to be connected with people that they can actually have a meaningful conversation about with something unrelated to that person's business. Um, and so we've really had a, a lot of success with that. And uh, Mike does a great job, you know, running that account. And then me personally, I, I really like Facebook groups. There's um, I'm in several 
like board game designer groups, board game publisher groups, uh, just board game fan groups, but particularly the designer and publisher groups as we've been going through this journey to um, get our first Kickstarter launch and our, our company as a whole launched. I've learned so much from other people's experience and I'm really thankful for uh, a lot of the people in the industry who are very willing to just share their experience in these uh, in these groups. And so, um, you know, when I first when I was growing up and stuff, you know, we get online and go on message boards. Message yeah. boards don't exist anymore. Now it's, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And so, you know, I'm not old, but I've had to like adjust <laughs> my, you know, what I mean? but I feel old sometimes because this is new to me. Like I didn't even know Facebook groups existed until like a few months ago. Like I and now I'm like hooked in and I check my feed constantly to see what's the next thing posted. And so it takes me back to when I would get on and look for cheat codes online on the message boards for different video games or whatever. But um, yeah, definitely it's gotta be a huge part of whatever you're doing nowadays, I guess. Do, do you feel it, it becomes like a time sink? Like you say, you're in, you're always checking to see, you know, what else is coming on. Does it, does it begin to like encroach on other activities? You're like, Oh wait, Hey, dinner's ready. It's like, all right, cool. Wait a minute. I got to check this thing real quick. You know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it feels like it's unfortunately part of my life, 24 hours a day, <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, I, cool. Yeah. I definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, I've definitely I've had to kind of set times, especially I mean, I have a three year old at home. And so uh, a lot of my time on social media will be actually when I'm out and I'm supposed to be working and I'll be looking <laughs> on social media because when I when I get home, that's I'm busier at home than I am at work. Kind of crazy to say, but my son is on my neck and my wife wants me to do this or that. So it's like when I get home, it's hard for me to even keep track. So I would say I, I fit it in during the day at work and then. Right before bed, I get on there and then before bed as I catch up on things. But I definitely, it can be an addiction. Uh, iPhone, not long, how much time you're spending on different things. And so it's maybe how much time I'm, I've been even looking at my apps and stuff. So that's kind of helped me keep from going overboard with it too, because it's right in front of my face that you've spent X amount of hours on Facebook this week or whatever. So Oh my God! You're like super robot-y All of a sudden, what happened? <laughs> oh no! Well, I think you're back now. <laughs> That's no, okay. That wasn't nothing. I said was important. So. Yeah. <laughs> it is cool though because <laughs> you you can make some really like strong connections with people that you meet, you know, through Twitter, you know, on on you know Facebook or Instagram. Like, um, you know, I'm, I've met a number of people on Twitter that like uh, one guy James. Like, we go hiking around here. Like, he's local to Tucson and. Uh, you know, we just happened to follow the podcast and it's like, oh, hey, yeah, I like to go hiking too. Oh, cool. Why don't you come with me and blah, blah, blah. So we've been out a couple of times, um, you know, when the, I said you guys beforehand, the, the mountain behind my house was on fire last year or the year before. And, uh, you know, one of the guys that follows us on Twitter is like, oh, shit, you beat me to the post. I was going to post that. And I'm like, oh, crap, you're down here in Serena. Like, damn. So just a couple of weeks ago, we went and we went, you know, hung out up at our local game store and like play games for like hours. And he's like, oh, I don't play a lot of board games, but like, yeah, I'll come and hang out. Like, we had a great time. It was it was wonderful. Yeah, it's actually funny. I have a similar story. I uh, I was in a math trade, which if anybody's ever done a math trade, you just put up stuff and you get mathematically matched with people to trade stuff with um board games and so i i traded a game with someone um at a convention and then um somebody commented on one of our instagram posts and i recognized the person that that was the 
first night several times, and I had no idea that they lived right here. Oh my God! You were like this. And we've actually robot. been talking, and it's. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! What is happening? We we got like half of that. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, you're like super choppy. I don't know what happened. Like you've been great the whole time. <laughs> Let me. I'll try and see if it it helps. I'm losing you guys. Uh oh, this whole thing is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try turning it on and turning it off again? <laughs> there goes Chris. Okay. I'm I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> can you hear me? I can. I can. I saw that you dropped that a minute ago. It was like, uh oh, must be bad connection or something going on. Do you guys uh, have <laughs> like a favorite style of game? A particular uh, theme? A particular uh, like game style mechanic? Something with a rondelle that that. You guys really favor over something else? Uh, for my, uh, if I were to say what my favorite like, game mechanism is, I really like engine building. So I like any time that you can slowly build up this chain of reaction of things that are just going to kind of trigger and fire off to score you a bunch of points. I really like that. And then in general, I'm, I'm really love anything with cards. So I'm much more, if it was between cards and dice, I'm always more of a card, like uh, hand management games, cards parties like that um but those are probably my my top two uh favorite what, what about you what are your favorites um i like a good abstract game um, i guess that's probably not one of the most popular <laughs> genres of games but i i really enjoy that well is that they're so easy to teach normally and you can normally teach an abstract really quick and it does have that depth uh my favorite abstract game is probably hive have you played hive the little have, bug tile game. Yep, I, I I had the app on my phone for a long time. I haven't actually physically played it, but yeah. I didn't even know there was an app. I have to check that out. I didn't know there was an app for that game. Yep. So yeah, I, I love Hive. I've taught it to like so many non-gamers. Get it because the way I always explain it is it's like chess without a board. So basically, <laughs> that everybody can kind of most people have all played chess at some point. So it normally works out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so stuff like Onitama or um, uh, like even like Shadows in Kyoto is, you know, come, it's area control. I mean, cards, hand management kind of thing, but still like it's that kind of abstract thing, you know, Santorini, um, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like even like Through the Desert and Samurai is kind of abstract. Like you're, you know, it's area control, but there's this other element, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, even Samurai has a very abstract feel to it. So, yeah, I, I definitely like I like that style game as well. Yeah. yeah, like you said, they're they're super easy to teach, but, like, there's that, that layer of complexity where you could just, you know, Onitama, I think it shows, like, you know, 15-minute average game time. I mean, we play at work. We play for f one game for 40 minutes because you're just, yeah. like, going through all the permutations and stuff. Like, it's just so good. Well, it's funny. I'm actually the opposite of you because I have played Onitama a ton, but only on my phone. I don't have the physical copy. So just mm -hmm. like you with Hive, but I love Onitama. It's like it, there's so much thinkiness in it because you know what moves your opponent has and you have to choose so carefully which move you're going to make because you're going to give that move to them in the future. I It's like such a simple but deep game. I love it. Yeah. We, we played at work yesterday and I – was cruising through. I thought I was going to win. 
And the guy started getting more space on me, moved his master across the board. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to lose. Like, there's no way. Like, how am I going to lose? Like, he's got this wrapped up like two, three <laughs> moves. This game is over. And I'm like, you know what? I start. we each had one pawn and a master left. I started bringing my pawn back and I wound up beating him. Wow. And it was just like, had I tried to like push the advantage and be like, oh, I'm just going to make a break for it. I totally would have lost. So you just kind of like flip the script and be like, no, I'm going to go out of the box and I'm going to try to like, you know, come back and, you know, play defense. And like, it was totally the way to go. It was so good. <laughs> well, you have to get the the app on your phone and we can play together as online play. Cause I, I just been playing randomly. So I need to play with somebody who has more experience to see if I can match wits with you here. So we'll have to, Give it oh, a hell go. Yeah, I have it. Yeah, you got. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, I'll give you my username after, and you can we can play a game. It'll be fun. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I tried uh, so, uh, only. T- I tried learning that the other night, but I fell asleep. So. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it was late at night. I was in bed and I had on my iPad. But no, I, I want to learn it. It looks fun. Yeah, that's really cool. So I was asking, Mike, do you have a favorite style of game? You know, co-op, abstract, tech builder. Um, Definitely not co-op, but um, me neither. <laughs> I like to beat people, so I don't want to share in victories. Uh, High five! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, um, let me see. What would be? I I, I kind of like uh, worker placement games. I don't know. Seem to be a lot of the style I like, but uh, I don't know. I'm into everything, to be honest. Um, even co-ops, I'll play co-ops too, but just not my favorite. Um. My favorite game right now um, is probably, I mean, I would say Scythe mm. is, but that, I mean, that's a more, you know, deeper, bigger game, not maybe up your alley, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen, I haven't played it. I mean, it's it's beautiful for sure. Yeah. No, that one's uh, a favorite of mine, but uh, I have a ton here that I, I'm, I'm happy to play any of my games. So, um. But yeah, that one's always pops into my head as as one of my favorites. Cool. Um, we recently played a game of Root. Have you played Root? No, I've seen it across Twitter, like all over the place. Everybody seems to be playing that. Yeah, I was fortunate to get a copy of it here recently, and they got re-released, I guess. Uh, um, but uh, we we played that like a month ago. That was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and it was actually um, a shorter game than I thought. So it, it's not like a super long game, I don't think. So what would you say, Chris, maybe hour and a half max? Yeah, I mean, I think the hardest part about Root would be, um, if for any who don't know what Root is, it's basically like a territory control game, but every faction plays completely different. Like you're literally, four factions all are playing a different game. So it, it's... Yeah, it's totally hardest, asymmetrical. Yeah, totally. So the the hardest part or the longest part about that game is just everybody learning what each individually individual person does because you almost have to teach four different games if four people are playing but once everybody actually knows how to play the game might say easily we played it in an hour to hour and a half um, once everybody knew how to play it just the explanation on that takes longer because you just got to teach it multiple times basically yeah yeah i love asymmetrical games though where uh every side plays totally different but uh, probably my all-time favorite game though is netrunner uh, hmm. It's a two. Pl- it's a two-player card game, uh, asymmetrical, and me and Chris played the heck out of that game. So that might um, be one of our most played games as Android Netrunner, and um, it's now discontinued. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those living card games, so it was kind of like a collectible card game, but you knew what you were getting, so you weren't 
you know, chasing booster packs forever. Um, but it, it was a lot of anybody who hasn't tried it, who gets a chance, I would definitely recommend trying it. It's a really unique, uh, asymmetrical game, but, um, it's going to probably get a little expensive to play now that's out of print, but I, I still love that game whenever I get a chance to play it. Cool. If you like asymmetric, Mike, have you ever played seven Ronin? Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, owned that game and, uh, I did like that game. Yeah. yeah. It's such a cool game. Yeah. Yeah, we played that a ton when I first got it. Now it comes out a little bit less frequently, but I, I still enjoy that quite a bit. It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, I think I was there when they released it at Gen Con, and uh, that's where I first saw it at. But, yeah, Chris bought it re- shortly after that. And, uh, yeah, we, we, I like that game. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one of the things that really drew me to that game, too, was just the artwork and the art style. That game is just beautiful. Like, yeah, I love even, uh, like, how the one-player board, it looks like the – the ninjas like or the samurai drew it in the sand how they mm-hmm. like even designed it i just those little subtle touches just add so much character to the game that i, I really i think that's a game that really flew under the radar it should have got a lot more buzz than it did i don't i don't really ever hear anybody talking about it just those little ninjas are just so many of those little ninjas that they <laughs> <laughs> need like i don't know if, they, if we can have some nice uh you know ninja meeples or something for it to be more awesome but that would be really cool yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember where the hell I saw it, but yeah, I, I went up to, to Isle of Games and I'm like, hey, do you guys have this? They were like, no. I said, well, can you order it? And they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was like, all right, we'll do it. <laughs> you know? we, we played the hell out of it. Even, you know, you're talking about the player boards, even the uh, the player screens, one side looks like you're peeking through the bamboo where the other player screen is like a solid like wall of bamboo, like even even to that level. It's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see that attention to detail uh, with like stuff that doesn't even affect the gameplay at all, but it just adds to the experience of playing the game. It just makes it more fun. Uh, I, I love when a company goes out of their way to do little stuff like that. You ever play uh, Santorini? I have it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I figured that one might be one that you might like there. Yeah. You know, it's one of these things like I see all these games, you know, Root and all this stuff come across Twitter, and I'm like, I don't know, like, I'll play anything at least once, you know, it, you know, I'm, I, I'm, you know, like you, I'll just, I'll play anything, uh, but not every game like really, you know, grabs a hold of me. So I, you know, I saw these posts about Santorini when it came out and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it looks okay. I guess they had it at, at aisle, uh, you know, on the pre-owned table. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to grab it. And man, we play the hell out of it. my daughter's boyfriend. He loves it and he can beat me at it. So he likes it even <laughs> more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I like a, the game. I just feel like some of the the powers on there, depending on who you get, you can be screwed. So it just it it, it varies. But I, I do like the game. I like the challenge though of it. It's it's a good chess, you know, kind of game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. And and what do you guys have currently hitting the table? Um, let's see. What did we play last? Well, I think we played Rude last, didn't we? Uh, last time we our I game think, nights yeah. have. Haven't been happening much the last few weeks. I was uh, I was gone last week uh, in Utah for my sister's wedding, and um, so we didn't have our normal game night. But I did get a few games played on the trip with family. Um, I played Takedo for the first time, um, which you know, I was I guess I'm a little late to the game with that one because a lot of people have played that one before, and uh, I I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was really fun, and it was a big hit with my family. They all liked it. I think it was a really cool. Um, like an entry-level worker placement game because you don't have a ton of choices, but there is still enough strategy in there, so that was really fun. Um, 
trying to think what else we played on the trip. Uh, King Domino is a popular one with my family. We play a lot of King Domino. Um, so that one was a lot of fun to get to the table. Um, Rod, Rogers of the Ganges. Oh, yeah, we did play that. That was very different than King Domino, much more on the deeper <laughs> end of the, of the spectrum than that. It's a um, great work replacement game. Like I said, I like work replacements, and that one was awesome. Yeah, we, we actually got to play that at the grand opening of uh, Snakes and Lattes here in Tempe. The board game cafe just opened, and we played Rogers of the Ganges there. Um, and it's a very deep game, <laughs> but I will say um, it has one of the coolest scoring mechanisms ever. Um, so if you ever get a chance to try it, just to see that scoring mechanism was really cool. Hmm, cool. I'm going to have to try to swing up that way. It's, it's, it's so damn far, but it looks like a really nice place. Yeah, well, you, it, it was cool. Just uh, don't bring a family of five, but uh, <laughs> because uh, it cost me a ton of money. But you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a it's a cool environment, though. It's it's still cheaper than taking a family of five to the movies. So I'll I'll, I'll vote for it in that. It's still cheaper than that. You didn't see yeah. my bill, Chris. <laughs> well, dinner in a movie is not dinner in a movie is not cheap for a family of five. I, I don't even have a, a family of three, and it's expensive. So I can only imagine what it is for five. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll have to at least come when you come up. If you come up for the game fair this year in March, uh, that will definitely be a place to check out when you're when you're on this side of town for that. Cool. Yeah. Are you? So I mean, we have a ton of cons here in uh, in Arizona. Do you, do you guys make it out to a lot? I know you said you're going to BGG Con. We met at Maricopa Con. You guys came down for RinCon. Yeah, I've gone to uh, Game Fair, Arizona Game Fair, the last two years, and um, I'll be we'll be attending there from here on out. And we're actually going to have a booth there this year. Oh, nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, RinCon was a lot of fun. I like that. Uh, down Tucson. That was a lot of fun. Um, Maricopa Con, that was our first year doing that one. And if you don't uh, kickstart it, you don't get in. So that was kind of uh, one that you just can't do on a spur of the moment. But uh, I used to go, oh, I always go to the uh, Phoenix Comic Con or whatever they call it these days. <laughs> but, uh, big board gaming is uh, becoming a really big presence there now. This year there was a huge uh, board gaming community and section at the uh, Comic Con, which was awesome. So that's usually what I do: is just hang out, and play games, and so walk around and looking at comic books. Yeah, I yeah. mean, um, I'm same as Mike, pretty much. I, BGG Con in Dallas will be my first like out of state gaming convention, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, other than that, I've just been, you know, the Game Fair, Maricopa Con, Comic Con. I was really excited to go down to Ring Con. We're planning for next year to go down for the the whole weekend instead of we just made it down for one day this last time. But um, I really had a great time uh, down in Tucson this year. So plan to spend more time there next year, but um, we'd like to do Dice Tower West. Eventually we're not going this year, but um, the one that just popped up in Vegas would be really cool to go, go there and see some of the Dice Tower people and all that would be kind of neat. So maybe that in the future, but conventions are fun. It gives me an excuse to play games all day. So I'm, I'm down for any convention. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mike is trying to like sell games and do demos and <laughs> Yeah, I just get to play. He he does all the work. Yeah, that's all right. I mean if you gotta have it one, you know, one way, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all good. Do, have you, do you guys do any RPGs at all or have you in the past or no? I never have done an RPG. Um I'm not opposed to doing one, but uh I don't know. I, I 
group of friends that really were into RPGs. I mean, I, I would love to do a Star Trek one because I'm a Trekkie. So I always thought that would be fun, but I don't know. Well, they have one now. I know they got a, <laughs> I mean, they always had some, but I know they came out with some, uh, with a new one that looked pretty cool, but yeah. Got to talk Chris into doing an RPG one of these days. <laughs> I um I totally would do an RPG. I'm I'm not much of a Trekkie. I like playing Trek board games, but I I can't say that I'm a, a Trekkie. I, I would be lying if I said I was. But I totally I think I I've never played an RPG. Uh, same reason as Mike. I just never had a group of friends that were really into it. But I've always been really interested in it because I love the aspect of character building um, and really like customizing your your different characters and. Um, I actually think I would love to run an RPG because I love I, I love writing and storytelling and things like that. So I think it would actually be really fun to to kind of run one and, and be the you know dungeon master, game runner, or whatever. Uh, but I've never had the opportunity to. So maybe one day uh, I'll I'll get the right group of friends together and we'll be able to run a campaign or something. Oh shit! We should we should put something together. We could do some kind of one off thing. We'll get you uh, get you guys on and play something. I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, long as, as long as it's, as long as it's like sci-fi related or something that's more what i'm into i'm not but that's just me yeah 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 but. Yeah, we could probably put something together and that'd be cool cool um yeah. when you guys are playing games and you have game night and stuff do you do you find yourself breaking down new games that you get to the table like oh this is an interesting mechanic or like oh i see how they put together you know this and that i buy games just to see the mechanics of games like, yeah. <laughs> i may not even want the game and like i want to see how that one's played so yeah now we do i i think uh it's kind of sad that at this point i like enjoy talking about games as much as i enjoy playing the games <laughs> so like the whole like post-mortem like breaking down the things that we really liked or and all that I, I love that uh going through the different strategies available to you and all that type of stuff is is kind of my favorite part of gaming now i mean I, don't get me wrong i love to play the game i love to try and win but I love seeing the creative ideas that these different designers uh, come up with and uh, the uniqueness that's still out there. Like there's thousands and thousands of games on the market, but there's still so many little unique twists you can find and everything. Yeah. Now, Chris, are you a talker when you play, you know, it's like you're going through the game like, Oh, you know, I, I should have did this or like, you know, two moves ago when I did this, I should have did that. Or, you know, I thought you were going to do this and you did that instead. <laughs> uh, no, because I, that all's running through my head the entire time, but we have a pretty competitive game night. The, on Wednesday night, it's, <laughs> it's normally the same three of us. It's me, Mike, and our friend Nathan. Um, and I have to say, I'll, I'll admit right now that I'm probably in the standings. I come in third. I mean, I win my fair share. I That's do win. Three, by the way. <laughs> that is. So I'm last. But I win. I win some but they definitely finish higher than me in the rankings. So I don't want to give them any uh, help at all by giving any narration to what's going on or, or any moves that I missed or that they should take. But it's definitely the first thing that comes out of my mouth. The moment the game's over is we go back and replay all that stuff. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, they don't need any help. Mike and Nathan, uh, they, they take me to school quite a bit. I just try to keep up with them. I'm usually saying crap. I forgot to do that, but yeah, that's, I could have won if I'd done that, but you know, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I wind up with the with the running narrative. I think a lot of times when we play the guy I play with at work, um, he's he's not a board gamer per se. Like I was playing with another guy who recently, you know, left uh, 
work where I'm at. And uh, so, it's, you know, it'd be the three of us together. I'm like, hey, you know, we do board games if you want to play. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll try it. And and got him hooked. Like, he's <laughs> he's deep now. Like, he's, you know, been out to the con. He's, you know, buying board games. He's trying to, you know, get his wife to play stuff. And, um, you know, because he's not like, you know, as I'm teaching games, like, we'll be playing. And it kills me because I want to win so bad. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying don't do that move. But if you do this and this, it's going to be better for you. And he's like, oh, all right, well, I'll do that then. And then, like, afterwards, you'd be like, okay, you see why I said that, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's good. <laughs> Fuck, I lost, though, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, um, that's that's one of the reasons I really like our Wednesday night game nights where it's more of a serious game night because whenever I play with pretty much anybody else, I almost never win at all because I do exactly what you said. I I – even when I'm not doing that, I, I don't even I don't always play optimally because I feel like when somebody's playing a game for the first time, nobody wants to get crushed by like 50 points. Yeah, and so yeah. I'll intentionally try to like play a little suboptimally, keep the game close. I don't want to I don't let anybody win, but I'll try to keep the score low. Um, but then I always feel like, man, I, I it just don't get the same fulfillment from playing like your <laughs> best game. You know what I mean? So I like on uh, Wednesday nights, even though I lose a lot that I, I can really like stretch my brain power and see how well I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what my son does for me on video games. Now he lets me win. <laughs> or he goes easy on me. I, and I know what he's doing. <laughs> don't, don't ever go easy on me, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have to. <laughs> that's cool. It's like me and my brother. Like that's, uh, you know, I don't know if it's alpha gamer syndrome or not. Like, you know, I guess when I play with my brother, it's more of a brotherly thing. And it's like, you know, I just want to crush you, like completely and utterly destroy you. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I get those feelings of playing games with Mike all the time. I, I want to win very badly. <laughs> I was I was really happy. I was on a little bit of a winning streak, but then it all fell apart on me. I, I had won like three games in a row. And I guess I got a little too high and mighty and then it, it crumbled on me, but um, you know, it happens to the best of us. Mm. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, so what else uh, do you guys have coming down the pipe? I know I actually know some of this already cause I've played some of these other games, but uh, what do you, what do you guys got going on? Uh, well, uh, our next project after RB8 will be coming, um, tentatively we're looking at like February to launch. Um, so it's still up in the air, but that's kind of what our goal is. And it's a much different game than RB8. It's a, a card game. It's a trick taking card game that you have had the chance to play a couple times now. Um, it's called clockwork. And, uh, I think it's, I think it's going to really find a, a lot of people, uh, a good market because it's very different. If, uh, if you played trick taking games before it's, it's not, it has some different mechanisms that I've never seen before myself. And I'm someone who loves trick-taking games. So uh, that's one we're really excited for. And then we have some other projects uh, in the pike too that I don't know if uh, Mike wants to share anything about yet or not, but yeah. Clockwork is the next one for sure that um, definitely look out for if you're at all interested in uh, trick-taking games. It's one that uh, will have uh, what's well, easy enough to teach. You could literally teach this to non-gamers, anybody who's played spades or hearts or any classic trick-taking game, but it has some unique depth to it that I think you could even bust out with your gamer friends. And it, it would probably be a good one for you to pull out at work. Even if you have a third player, you could play in a, a lunch break pretty easily. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah. steampunk theme. Uh, I don't know if Christmas or not or not, but yeah. So it's going to have some cool artwork on it. So if you like steampunk and trick-taking games or card games, You'll like you're gonna like this one, I think. So we're excited to get this one out. This one will be uh, 
more for the mass markets of Kickstarter genre, I think. Yeah. And it, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say probably an easier sell, right? Like a card game is going to have, you know, a low price point. It's, mm-hmm. you know, more of like an introductory sort of thing. You know, anybody who's, you know, interested in, in um, you know, like you said, trick-taking games or, you know, steampunk genre or theme, um, you know, it, it's a fun to play. It's quick to play. You know, it's not something you've got to invest, you know, an hour, two hours or something. You know, you can play a game in 15 or 20 minutes. You know, half hour maybe if you've got a full boatload of people, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to play. Yeah, it's it's. I was glad to to play with you. I'm excited for you to play it again because we've even uh, we just got in a new prototype of it with uh, different design on the cards. Kind of, it's a we're now using like the tarot size cards rather than the poker size cards. Oh, nice. So I think that uh, it definitely makes it, it just makes the game stand out a little more and uh, makes definitely the text easier to read because that was one of the things we kept getting was the text was a little hard to read. Um, and then also we have a, we are now have a two player variant of it. So we can even play a two player, which, um, we're excited to get some more feedback on that. So maybe we can, uh, get met up with you at some point. So you can give that, a, give that a try soon. There's a sneak peek. I just, we just got it in. So there's uh, one of the, uh, the bigger size cards. So it's pretty cool. Cool. But yeah. So we're excited for that one. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I told you about one we got, we're working on. Uh, I think it's going to be right up your alley on this uh, the next one project that we're working on. Um, it's called Buzz, mm-hmm. and so we'll leave it at that, and we'll we'll show it to you next time we'll see you. you yeah, know what, fair enough. You want to know what the buzz is about, right? <laughs> we um, you know, that's one thing that you know we're not just a one-off thing. We have a lot of stuff in the pipeline, and we're excited for that. So. You know, we already kind of have our next three games lined up after RB8. Um, and so, obviously, all three of them coming out is going to be dictated on how well each one does. <laughs> so, obviously, if, if you know, they all crash and burn, then we might not get to all four <laughs> of our games. But let's hope that doesn't happen. And, and this is the start of us coming out with other games because we eventually, you know, we would like to even start publishing other uh, games from other designers because – I, I know you've experienced this too. You you can play games from designers that aren't published and you're like, man, this game should be out there. People should be seeing this game. Um, and a lot of times people who are really good at designing games don't want to go through the effort of actually publishing the game themselves. And we would love to be able to team up with some designers and help them uh, do that. But first we got to get our own games out there and get a little uh, exposure ourselves, And then hopefully we can start helping out some of the other designers in the community who want to get their games out there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, it's cool for a smaller company to look at other, you know, indie designers and say, hey, look, let's let's do this together and let's, you know, put out some cool games. Because, you know, you, you say you have, you know, design a game and you go to someone like, and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but, you know, Tasty Minstrel or, you know, Cool Mini or not or whatever. Be like, hey, I have this game. I want to produce it. And depending on what their their schedule is, depending on who they're working with at the time, like they just might not even get a chance to look at something. And, you know, it's not that it's not a good game. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit their style or it doesn't fit their schedule. So, yeah, I mean, the, the board game industry too is a lot of, I mean, with those companies are, are looking for name recognition with their designers too. It's like, what have you done? Uh, because that sells games a lot of times. People don't even necessarily care what the game is. They'll just buy a game because a certain designer did it. And so I think it can be a little difficult for, for first time or new designers to get that first foothold. Uh, to get that name recognition, you got to get somebody to give you a chance the first time. And so we hope to be able to do that eventually. So 
Um, if all goes well, we can hopefully start publishing some other people's games, maybe end of 2019, beginning of, you know, next year. So cool. Okay. I thought Mike was going to say something. <laughs> no, I, I, was I, was watching, I was watching my cat jump on my, uh, onto my cabinets and I'm trying to like, get her off. So he's a trance <laughs> right now. I got, we got a new kitten and you know, you gotta, you gotta train these cats not to get on your stuff. So, well, no. easily, yeah, I was distracted, sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> like have another baby in the house yep with with razors for fingers <laughs> exactly <laughs> cool yeah. all right well you know I, I mean that's you know i enjoy doing this kind of stuff i mean you know we bring people on and talk about kickstarter stuff and we spend i don't know five minutes talking about kickstarter stuff but then like it's cool just to be able to kind of talk and like you know introduce people to you know, uh, an audience to be like, you know, hey, this is our first game, but like, hey, I'm not just some crazy, like, you know, this is going to be some one one shot thing or we're going to steal your money. You're like, hey, you know, you're talking about your kids, your wives, your families and stuff. Like, it, it's a good, it, it's cool because you just get to like meet people in, in a sense, you know, for the audience to come in and listen to because it's very just, uh, you know, conversation, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, we're gamers just like you guys. And it's like, you know, we just we enjoy making games and because it to me, games bring people together. And that's what I love about this is like I, the thought of somebody playing RB8 or Clockwork or one of our future games and getting together with their buddies or their families and all sitting around having a good time. That's exciting to me. And, you know, it's definitely we're not in this for the money. We're in this because we love games. You know, that's that's the thing. And it's like. Um, I really enjoy the way this interview was because it, it lets people see that, hey, we're just we're gamers like you. We just love games and uh, it doesn't have to be our games. We love we love all games. So, <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on and, and spending the time on a on a Friday night, you know, just nerding out and talking about games. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. Yeah, this is the alternative for me would be having my son, you know, tackle me to the floor so this is a <laughs> this is a great uh friday night for me so thanks for having us oh, my, my wife took off to costa rica without me so uh i'm i had nothing to do anyways right what so. <laughs> <laughs> she, oh by the way i'm going to costa rica next week oh okay <laughs> now we have we have we have some great friends uh that that took her there so um so so she's having a good time so I'm going to go to, I'm going to BGG in a couple of weeks. So she's not coming with me. So, you know, she did, she got to go somewhere. I get to go somewhere. So it equals out. Hey, well, not only that, you get to play more board games while she's not home. Like, right. exactly. I got to get Chris to stay a little bit longer here and play some games. Right. Right. Cool. Well, I mean, check it out. There's links for everything in the show notes. Uh, we hope you'll go out and, and check out uh, RB8 Retro Baseball. Uh, you know, price points cheap. You know, it's 39 bucks for a, not a huge box game. It's not a scythe box game, but, you know, a, a medium weight style game. It's not a terrible price point. Like, I'd, I'd drop 40 bucks on a game without thinking about it. You know, you start hitting, you know, $60, $70. You're like, eh, I don't know. Do I want to? pick that game up but i mean you guys are like you know right in a sweet spot i i'd like to think yeah i think so i mean yeah i mean uh the game like mike said it has 250 ish player cards and every single player has unique player powers it's got custom dice i mean it's got a lot of uh you're getting a lot of bang for your buck in the box where you're gonna get a lot of replay out of that um so we hope people enjoy it and 
we look forward to you know seeing people playing it and getting more feedback from everyone. Cool. All right. Well, thank you guys again uh, for all of you who are checking this out later on. Uh, please, if you could, uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes and whatever your pod catcher of choices is tremendous. Helps out a ton. Uh, we've got two sponsors for the show. Uh, or a long, long-term sponsor, uh, Birds of a Feather Coffee. Uh, if you like coffee, uh, if you don't like coffee, I, I like coffee. If you like coffee, <laughs> there's a link in the show notes, or you can check out tinyurl.com forward slash legendary brew. Uh, Neil, our our own GM, has his own coffee business, roasts coffee. If you order the Legends, it's roasted to order because uh, it's off-brand for him. So you're going to get it roasted and shipped out within a day or so. So it's going to be super fresh, and it's really good. Our new sponsor, Thing 12 Games, talking about small game companies. Mm -hmm. uh, they also sponsor the show. Uh, they do more... Um, you know, lightweight style games, uh, some party type stuff with a click, click, boom. Uh, so if you could check them out as well, links again for them in the show notes. Uh, if you use code legends 10 at either place, you're going to get 10% off your order. Birds coffee has free shipping. So order early order often. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you can pre-order, uh, seals of Cthulhu, uh, over at think 12 games. Now it was their latest Kickstarter. Uh, so we hope you check all that stuff out. want to thank you for listening or, and, or watching and thank these guys for coming on and, uh, look forward to seeing you guys at the next convention. We look yeah, forward we'll to it. Thanks a lot. We'll check cool. out that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. There's one sale. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, man. All right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks a lot. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.